right, we are uh, getting ready to open up the uh, Word of God today, and uh, as I said earlier, my name is John Rock, I'm the children's pastor here, if you don't know who I am, and it's hard to believe that Tara and I have lived here now for seven years in Indiana. It's pretty exciting, right? Pretty exciting, yes, give myself a hand, yeah, seven years in Indiana. (laughs) That's not not that exciting, is it, Eddie? I'm from the East Coast and uh, from Philadelphia, born and raised in the playgrounds where I spent most of my days. Um, but I uh, moved here seven years ago to be the children's pastor here at Grace Community Church. It's been an awesome ride, and, and uh, we love what God's doing here. We love the community, and it's been great, you know, great for our kids and great for us. And, and, um, and uh, anyway, there are still some things that we do miss about the East Coast. There are some things we miss, and one of the things I really miss is the ocean. You guys can probably tell by looking at me, I love going to the ocean, getting a really dark tan. And uh, just there's nothing like it. I love it. Uh, but I do miss the ocean. I do love going there and hanging out with my family and playing. i got two brothers, got a sister, and we used to go there a ton as kids. I have lots of good memories from going to the Jersey Shore for a weekend with my family or, or going to one of the beaches in Delaware or, or North Carolina. Lots of good memories, lots of memories with our family. And uh, one of the things that I love about the, about the uh, water, the ocean, is just the power that is there in the ocean, just some wild and crazy things. Well, after Tara and I got married, we went to, the, uh, went to the Ocean City, New Jersey for a weekend one time. And we were walking around the boardwalk. We didn't have any kids at the time. So we were out. It was late at night. And uh, we, there was a movie that we wanted to see. And so we decided to go into this theater there on the boardwalk and see this movie. It was, you know, really late. And um, while we were in the movie, it started to rain. The storm kind of came out of nowhere that we didn't know about. And just was a really, really bad, you know, storm. So we walk out of the theater, probably midnight, 1230, something like that. And we, we look, come outside and the rain is just pouring, just coming down and the waves are up onto the beach and coming underneath the boardwalk onto the street that is you know to the to the west of the of the ocean and so we're on the boardwalk and we see the water just going underneath us and we kind of turn and we look west and we kind of look and we can see three blocks you know to our hotel or whatever the street is just covered with water and so we're kind of looking for a way to kind of get around it. There is no place. So we have to just kind of walk in this wastewater deep back to our hotel. This flash flood just kind of came out of nowhere. One of those fun memories you kind of just remember. It's something that you kind of went through and lived through. Thankfully, our car was not parked on that particular block because it was up to the headlights, you know, on that uh, block that we had to walk through. Lots of cool things. One of the things my parents taught me, because the water is, you know, so strong and the current is strong, is that whenever you get into the ocean, the first thing you do is you turn around and you kind of look at where you're at. And you find some kind of reference point, right? You find like a hotel that's right there or a lifeguard station. But you find some place so that you know, this is where I got in. This is where my family is. This is where my stuff is, my towel, whatever it is. This is so I know where I'm at. Because what will happen is you'll start to play in the water. You'll start to have some fun with your friends. Maybe you'll boogie board. Maybe you, I don't know, you might dive under the water, try to grab your sister's ankle and see if you can scare her to scream, thinking it's a shark or a jellyfish or something. You might do something like that. I don't know. But all kinds of fun stuff you can do. But as you're playing in the water, you'll, one, one thing will always happen. You'll kind of turn around and you'll look back at the beach and you realize, wait a second, this is not where I got in, right? I got in like, you know, a tenth of a mile that way or a quarter of a mile. Some, you know, I have to walk back. And so you'll kind of swim against the current or you'll walk against the current. You'll get back to that point where you were at, where you came into the water. You'll start hanging out, playing with your friends again. And sooner or later, you'll look up and you realize, wait a second, this is not where I got in. Because the current just keeps moving you down. And it's just kind of back and forth. You just kind of keep walking up to where you got in and you'll get moved back down by the current. The current's so strong. It's a powerful kind of back and forth thing that goes on and on when you're in the water there. 
Lately here at Grace, God has been doing some pretty awesome stuff. There are some really cool things that are happening, some really great breakthroughs, some really neat decisions that God is doing in the lives of individuals, whether it's through the Daughter Series or through the Men's Retreat Wild at Heart or just through your individual lives as you've been interacting with the Spirit. There are some incredible things that God is doing. There is a lot of potential that exists right now. A lot of potential. But the thing is that life change doesn't happen just in that one moment. Just in that moment of freedom, that moment of victory that you have, that you finally are kind of getting an angle on something. That is an important step. That's a huge step. But that is just the beginning. How do we turn that potential of that great moment in our lives where maybe we heard some truth for the first time, the Spirit kind of setting it into our hearts, or, or God convicting us of something, or something changing, or we're getting to this place, you're kind of the point of victory, this point of freedom that you have wanted to be at for a long time, and you're finally there. How do you stay there and not get pulled by the current of life kind of away, away, away? How do you not drift, drift, drift away from that place? See, because that one moment, that one great time where you're there where God wants you to be, you're there for that moment. But how do you stay there? How do you not fall back? It's not just in that one decision, that one Sunday morning, that one event that happens in your life. It's in the small decisions that you make every single day that keep you on the path that God wants you to be. It's the follow through that is in your life. And today I want to talk about how we can turn potential into action so that we don't keep going back and forth. Because what will happen is we'll look up and we'll realize we've drifted away from where God wants us to be. And we'll kind of walk or we'll swim against the current. We'll kind of get back to that point where God wants us. And then we'll drift away again and we'll see that and we'll kind of come back. But after a while, we'll just kind of give up and we'll just let the current just take us wherever it's going to take us. How do we not let that happen? Well, there was a person in the Bible that was full of potential. Lots of people. We want to turn there right now. Go ahead and raise your hand. If you did not bring a Bible today, put your hand up. Our ushers are coming forward. They want to give you one. Turn to 1 Timothy. That is in the New Testament towards the back. If you have your own Bible, take it out. Turn there too. 1 Timothy chapter 4. Timothy was a young man that was full of potential. And his mentor, Paul had some information that he wanted to share with him. First and Second Timothy are some of the most personal letters in the New Testament. Here is a man, Paul, who had been in ministry for three decades or so and had mentored lots of men. And this man, Timothy, was very close to him. He starts out this letter by saying, my true son in the faith. He loved this man, Timothy, and he wanted to release the potential that was inside of him. When Paul's writing First and Second Timothy, he's coming to the end of his life. And he knows that he's about to leave and he wants to pour in to his son in the faith and give him some truth that he needs to hear. He wants him to follow through. He wants to release the potential that he sees in this young man. Because here's what I want to share with you. It's a really important piece of information. You can have long-lasting change. You don't need to go back and forth and back and forth. That doesn't have to be your life. God can give you lifelong, lasting change. I've seen that in so many people's lives, and I've seen, by God's grace, Him change my life. So I know that that's true. And I want to look at some truths today that will hopefully help you to not go back to where you don't want to be. 
So 1 Timothy 4, let's take a look at it together. 1 Timothy 4, and I'll start reading in verse 7. Have nothing to do with godless myths and old wives' tales. Rather, train yourself to be godly. For physical training is of some value, but godliness has value for all things, holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. This is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. And for this we labor and strive, that we have put our hope in the living God, who is the Savior of all men and especially of those who believe. Command and teach these things. Don't let anyone look down on you because you're young, but set an example for the believers in speech, in life, in love, in faith, and in purity. Until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture, to preaching and to teaching. Do not neglect your gift, which was given you through a prophetic message when the body of elders laid their hands on you. Be diligent in these matters. Give yourself wholly to them so that everyone may see your progress. Watch your life and your doctrine closely. Persevere in them, because if you do, you will save both yourself and your hearers. How do you turn potential into reality? Maybe you feel like, well, I've not made some huge decision lately, or or, I've not had some huge piece of breakthrough or information in my life. But maybe you are one of the 20% of people that are in an average church in America that are just stalled in your faith. You're stuck. How do you break through from that? How do you get from this potential that you have or that you were living up to, but now you've kind of retreated backwards? How do you get back to that point where you are growing and you are moving forward and you are putting into life changes that God has been prompting in you? I just want to give you kind of three thoughts to kind of introduce what I'm going to really say later. I like to talk, okay? So three introductory thoughts. Here they are. Number one, that Paul starts off with, Godless or godliness takes rigorous training. It's not a one-time decision. It takes rigorous training. There's training involved. You look at what he says in verse 7. He says, train yourself to be godly. Verse 8 says, physical training is of some value, but godliness is value for all things, holding promise for both the present and the life to come. If you want to pursue godliness, if you want to be that person that isn't always moving back and forth, but is set in your faith and is strong in your relationship with God, it's going to take rigorous training. And, and I've seen the power of training in my own life recently. A lot of you know that um, our staff is training for something called Tough Mudder. It's a race that's coming up in about three weeks, and it is 12 miles, and then it's also some crazy obstacles along the way. And there's lots of guys in our church, probably about 25 of us that are doing this thing, and it's going to be awesome and crazy. And um, hopefully most of us make it back. Um, So it's coming up. And I am one of those guys. Now, we have lots of guys on staff that have been runners in their lives. You ever seen Brown? He's a runner, okay? He, 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 it's genes. It's not him, okay? It's just, he got it in his genes, all right? And he is a runner. We have our, our staff, they've, they've run marathons. They've run half marathons. I've never been a runner in my life. In fact, before this summer, when I started training for this race, I never ran more than three miles in my life at one time. I was the guy that would say, I absolutely hate running, right? I do other things to exercise. I definitely, you know, love to play sports, and, but I've never been a runner. But what I have learned is that if you follow this training, if you follow a program, it works, 
and, and you start running more and more. Yesterday, I ran 12 miles. And it's, it was, I could have gone for more. And, and it's incredible what, what, what happens when you start to follow some training. Maybe you kind of think you know somebody who says, well, I, I, I'll never be like them in their relationship with God. I'll never you know, get to that point like them. Like, wow, they are godly. Like when you're around them, you smell Jesus. See, you can get there. You can be the person, the man and the woman that God wants you to be. But it's going to take some rigorous training. The second introductory thought that I want to say is that the benefits of godliness are incredible. It affects all areas of your lives. Physical training is good for some things, Paul says in verse 8, but godliness has value for all things, holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. You want to be a better husband? You want to be a better wife? You want to be a better employer? You want to be a better employee? You want to be a better citizen? You want to be a better parent? Pursue godliness. It will affect every area of your life. And not only this life, but the life to come. So there's a lot to it. So the benefits of godliness are incredible. I would encourage you to be that kind of person who pursues godliness. And the third kind of thing I want to say to get us started is that despite your starting point, you can be a standard setter. Timothy was someone who was kind of timid. He, he, he must have, his age must have gotten in his way. He was a younger guy and he thought, man, I, I don't know. I don't know if I can do this job. I don't know if I can live up to the potential that Paul sees in me. I, and Paul says, don't let anyone look down on you because you're young. You set the example for the believers in the way that you conduct yourself and the way you live your life. Maybe for you, there's something else, some other starting point that you feel like, well, I could never be like that. I could never live up to that potential. I could never. I could. Listen, don't let anyone look down on you because of your starting points, because of where you're at right now. God has so much more that he can do in you and through you. You be an example to the believers in your life and your character. So don't, just, don't let your starting point get in the way. Well, what are the methods? What are the training methods for godliness? How can I turn myself into a person that not only has potential, but puts it into action? How do I keep myself from drifting, drifting away from where God wants me to be? Well, you kind of do the same thing you do with a boat. If you're in the ocean and you're docking your boat, or even in a lake and you want to dock your boat, what do you do? You tie it down. You put some ropes on it so that it can't get away. And the same thing is true. You tie some things down in your life. You put some disciplines into your life so that you can't get away from God. And the first thing you do to tie down, the first tie down that you got to make is you got to devote yourself to Scripture. Paul says, Timothy, you need to devote yourself to Scripture. Verse 13, until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture, to preaching and to teaching. Not only for your life, Timothy, but then later he says about, talks about your hearers. Every person in your church, Timothy, needs to devote themselves to God's word. Timothy, if you're going to keep going strong, if you're going to be the man that God's called you to be, you have to make a connection with God's word. You will plateau, Timothy. You will only go so far. You will hit a ceiling. You'll keep bumping up against it until you make God's word a regular part of your life. What I mean by that is this. You will only go so far in your relationship with God. You will start to drift away from God if you don't make God's word a regular part of your life. If you only come and get God's word when you're at a church on Sundays, you will never be the man of God or the woman of God that you were designed to be. You have got to learn to open it up for yourself. 
and to dive in and dig in and read the Bible. And you need to have a kind of personal relationship with God that happens through his word. You've got to connect yourself to Christ. Keep your finger in 1 Timothy and turn to John chapter 15. John chapter 15, Jesus is teaching and Jesus gives an illustration of our relationship with him. He says that he is a vine. He is the tree. We are the branches. There is a direct connection between us and him. And he says in verse 5, he kind of summarizes this whole illustration he's giving in John 15. John 15, 5, Jesus says, I am the vine. You are the branches. If a man remains in me, and if I remain in him, then he will bear much fruit. In other words, you'll be the kind of man you want to be, the woman you want to be. You'll see that fruit in your life that you want to happen, that I want to happen, that God wants to happen. But then he says this, without me, look at the end of verse 5, you can do what? Nothing. Unless you establish a direct connection from you to Jesus Christ, you can do nothing. You will fall away. You will back away from that moment of victory that you had in your life. You need a direct ongoing relationship. At some point in your journey with God, if you want to grow beyond a certain level, you have to learn how to open up this book and how to read it. We offer a class that starts next week called How to Study the Bible. It's a great three-week course that you would do well to, to sign up for today and take. That's not the only way. It's just by opening up God's word and letting it be a regular part of your life. Here's the point that, uh, that I think Paul is making. Here's the point Jesus is making here. At some point in your journey, it, it, you just can't have somebody always kind of standing in the middle between you and God. Some family member that helps you and brings you to know God. Or a pastor that is teaching God's word. Or a, or a radio teacher or whoever it is. You have to have a direct connection between you and God yourself. And that happens by opening up God's word. Having a daily time with God where you open up the Bible and you read. You don't have to read like a whole book a day. You don't have to read all this stuff, but you've got to interact with God's word on some kind of level on a regular basis if you really want to take off in your faith. Paul says to Timothy, Jesus says to us, the New Testament teaches and church research that I, that I recently read clearly shows the number one thing that if you are a baby Christian, a brand new Christian in your faith, the number one thing that you can do to grow is to read the Bible and then to personally reflect on it and let the Holy Spirit teach you what it's saying or, or what it means to you. The number one thing that you can do to grow, if anything else you do, is to open up, read the Bible, and then reflect on it. If you are a growing Christian, someone who's walked with God for a time, and, and, and you have a relationship with Him, and you are a growing Christian, the number one thing that you can do, the New Testament teaches and, 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 and uh, church research shows, the number one thing that you can do to grow in your relationship with God is to read the Bible and then let the Holy Spirit impact it to your life on how, what it means to you, what it says to you, where you need to change. If you are a mature Christian, one who has walked with God for many years, your, your life centers on Jesus. Every decision you make, um, you ask the question, is this what God wants for me? You're, you're all in, mature Christ follower. The number one thing that you can do to grow in your faith is guess what? Read the Bible and let the Holy Spirit influence you and convict you and challenge you. It doesn't matter where you're at on your Christian spectrum. 
the number one thing that you have to do, the number one rope that you got to tie down so that you continue to grow and continue to not just plateau, but move forward in your relationship with God, you have to make this book a part of your life on a regular basis. There's just no way around it. You can't just come on Sunday and get filled up. It doesn't work. It's not going to last you. You got to learn how to dive in for yourself. You got to make the Bible a part of your life. 1 John 2.27 says that the Holy Spirit is your teacher. The Holy Spirit, the anointing that we have, if we are a believer in Jesus, he becomes our teacher. We don't need someone else to teach us or explain to us the Bible. He is our teacher. 1 John 2.27, that says. I want to kind of illustrate this, um, this process that has to happen in our lives. And uh, Ryan, will you come up with stage, man, and help me out for a second? Have a seat here. Ryan, you got two little boys, right? And uh, you know a little bit something about feeding them. And you're hoping that it changes over time, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Because when they're little, look at this man, Buzz Lightyear. Awesome. When they're little, you got to feed them, right? You got to kind of take care of everything for them. That's right. That's right. Got your bib, says, I love grandma. That's true. That's true, he says. All right, you know what? Your neck's too big. I'll stick it in there. You don't got a big neck, man. It's just that you're not a baby. All right. I wasn't trying to say anything to get about you. All right. When you're a baby, you need to eat baby food. If I'm going to give you bananas, I'm not going to just set that in front of, you know, Leighton or, or what's your younger son's name? Ryder. Sorry. Thank you. Ryder. I'm not going to set that in front of Leighton or Ryder, right? They wouldn't know what to do with that. And so it takes a parent to feed them. It takes someone else to give them. The baby food. If you want to give them bananas, is that good? Yeah, you seem to enjoy it. You want, you want more? <laughs> he wants more. Is it really good? It's pretty good. It's pretty good? Let me try it. That's pretty good. Mm-hmm. I don't know why they stopped giving that stuff to us. <laughs> he relies on you. Ryder does. Layton did. They rely on you to literally place the food inside of their mouth. But as they get older, it changes a little bit, right? And you don't give them bananas like this anymore. You give them a real banana. But you can't just place that on their plate, right? That doesn't work. They can't do anything with that. Choke, so you cut it up. And if they're, when they're really young, you cut it up into small pieces, really small pieces. But then they do graduate to the point where you don't have to put it in their mouth for them. They can put it in themselves, right? Good job. That's awesome. He's growing. Let's give him a hand. Then there comes a point where they grow. where You don't have to cut it up so small. You just kind of give them these little bites, and then they can pick them up themselves with a little fork. Let's, let's go to a fork, man. You're growing right there. Sorry, I already put it in my mouth, but we're friends. Yeah, they can do that. And then there comes a point where you do just give them the banana, and they can cut it themselves. Then there comes a point, I hope, where you don't just have to provide the food for them, where they can actually provide it for themselves. And, and, and they, they can, they're going to grow to a point, right, God willing, where they are able to provide the food for themselves. They can buy it. They can cook it. They can feed themselves. And you won't have to keep coming over and taking care of that. Now, it looks strange for me to take this spoon and put that in your mouth because you're an adult. 
in church, if you grow to a, if you're trying to grow to a point in your relationship with God where you're still relying on this every week, that's strange too. If you're relying on someone else to feed you week after week after week after week after week, this is the picture of you. I'm not saying that. that that's what the New Testament says. Paul said, you should already be past milk, but you're still infants in Christ. You should be beyond that, but you're not. So for you, thanks, man. Let's give Ryan a hand. For you, the first, tie, the first rope, if this is not a normal part of your life, the first rope that you need to tie down to get past this point where you're going back and forth all the time, where you are really solid in your faith, is you got to tie down this rope where you have time with God's word yourself. And you do what it takes to learn. If you need to find someone who's going to help you, teach you how to do it, find that person. The responsibility is on you to take that initiative to learn how to study God's word so that you can feed yourself, right? This baby food looks silly, right? Don't be here. Move on to feeding yourself God's word. But this church, it's not that you don't need the church. It's not that you don't need um, teachers that God has gifted the church with to teach us. He still uses that. We do, and we do need to use the, and we still do have a need for the church. Um, but this is just the first rope. Here's a second rope. Let's turn back to 1 Timothy 4. Second rope that uh, Timothy says, or Paul says to Timothy, if you're going to live out your potential, Timothy, not only is God's word got to be uh, essential to your life, you need to devote yourself to it. Number Verse 14 says, Do not neglect your gift, which was given you through a prophetic message when the body of elders laid their hands on you. Timothy, if you're going to move forward, you've got to keep using the gifts that, that you've been given by the Spirit. You've got to serve. Use your gifts to serve. That's the second rope that you tie down. If you're going to keep growing your relationship with God, you've got to start serving other people. You've got to give away what you've been given. I know that sounds kind of different. What do you mean give away what I've been given? I won't have it anymore. Well, listen, in, in God's economy, you can't get more until you give away what you've been given. God can't teach you new things. You can't take in more. You can't go past a certain point until you give away what you've been given. You have to serve others. There, there are some uh, Christians who are really, really good at taking in information. They love taking in all this food, hearing great sermons, taking good classes, reading good books, listening to great teachers, joining great Bible studies. And that stuff is all awesome. But eventually you have to work it out. Eventually you have to exercise. You have to burn some of those calories you're taking in. And the way that you burn calories is by serving. How has God gifted you? How are you giving your life away? And this is where the church is so important because we're able to organize together our efforts to serve our community and to serve our world. We're able to do so much more together than we could ever do on our own. And so it's important that we serve as a church together. Sometimes I'll meet people who say they've been coming to Grace for three or four years and I don't even recognize their face. That's because they haven't gotten involved. It's because they kind of come in on a Sunday, they sit down in the back of the main or the back of the link, and they leave. They come in and they leave and they say, this is my church. But they never get involved. And they're missing out on so much life. So much that happens when we serve. We're not made to just keep eating and keep taking in and never giving it away. God designed us to be servants. 
and, and Timothy, and Paul says, Timothy, you gotta, don't neglect that gift that you've been given. Use your gifts, you know, get better at it. Another part in Timothy says, fan it into flame. Do the work that it takes to be effective at using your gifts. And what's cooler is when, 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 when we serve at church and we be, learn how to be servants, we kind of get those training wheels on and we just serve wherever we need it and we jump in somewhere on one of the teams. Uh, then we begin to make service a part of our everyday life. It's not just something I do at church, but I serve my neighbors. I serve my coworkers. I'm just a servant wherever I go. God begins to do this work. And, and man, I get to hear some awesome emails. I'm getting emails right now from a lady in our church who was moved to go and talk to one of her neighbors. She knew that she was going through a hard time that her son had been making some, some really unwise choices and had gotten in trouble. And she went and, and she knocked on her door. And as soon as the lady opened the door and saw this woman in our church, she started to cry. She invited her in. And over the last several weeks, she's been able to minister and work in her life. That wasn't something that we organized. That wasn't a blitz. That was something that God prompted her to do because she's learned how to be a servant. She's a cool lady, by the way. Last week, she was up in Kid City. We were having this dance contest for the kids, and she got up, and, and she competed too, and it was awesome. She's learned how to be a servant. It's not about her. It's about Jesus. It's about doing whatever it takes to reach people, whether it's her, a child up in Kid City or whether it's her neighbor down the street. That's the life of a believer. That's the picture of us, of our lives. We're to be servants, living our lives for others. If you want a life that is really neat and clean and, and, and not full of any drama, and just live for yourself. Don't care about anybody else. If you want a life that isn't so neat, isn't so clean, full of lots of drama, but is also rewarding and fulfilling and full of joy and victory, then begin to serve. Begin to get involved in other people's lives. Begin to give away what you have been given. And what happens is you're, you're by, by saying, I'm going to be a servant, I'm going to serve, you're tying yourself down so that you can then grow and be given more because you can't get more until you give away what you have, until you're working it out. That's where God wants us to be. You see, our growth isn't just the end. My goal is not just to grow in my relationship with God and gain all this knowledge. No, the mission is the end. Sharing our faith is the end. Reaching every person on earth, that's the end. And so I grow in my relationship with God. I take in those Bible studies so that I can be more effective at serving. So they can be more effective at sharing my faith. That is the end. The mission is. And if I lose sight of that, and all I want to do is take in, take in, take in, and grow, then I'm not really where God wants me to be. I'm not as mature as I thought that I was. The more that I mature in my faith, the more that I, I, I'm sharing my faith, and I'm giving it away, and I'm serving, and I'm laying my life down for others. I'm tying myself down. Well, there's one more critical rope. If I'm going to take this potential that I have right now, and I'm going to turn it into life, I have to develop a habit with God's word. And, and maybe, maybe you have at one time, but maybe it's kind of stalled or, or maybe it's just kind of dry right now. How do you, how do you get connected to God's word if you're, if you're feeling kind of stalled? One thing that has always worked for me, I shouldn't say always like it's a method or a formula. There's no method or formula with God. But one thing that has usually helped me when I'm feeling kind of dry in my time with God, and it's kind of, ugh, I don't feel like opening the Bible or reading it, um, as I'll go back and I'll start reading from passages in the scriptures that have really spoken to me before. Passages that have really meant something to me in the past that have been very meaningful. I'll start there and I'll begin reading there. And then it kind of usually, I start to hear God's voice again and I'm reminded of times where he talked to me in the past and I'll begin to hear him speaking to me again. 
that's something that might be good for you. But you need to develop that habit. You need to go forward. Or maybe you say, well, I have a quiet time with God. Well, then how can you take it to the next level? How can you become a better student of God's word? What is it next for you? How can you dig in a little bit deeper and go further in your own understanding of God's word? Maybe it is some classes to take. Maybe it's some new books to read. Maybe it's going to somebody who's an older believer and say, can you teach me? Can you pour God's word into me? If it's this one here where it's, it's tying in to, to serving, it, it, it might just be that you are, maybe you are serving in our church, but you don't live a life of service. And so it's looking for ways to serve your family, to be a servant in your community, to meet your neighbors, to meet your coworkers, and don't just serve here in these walls, but you serve outside. Or maybe you're not there yet, and maybe you're not serving at all, then it might start just getting involved in our church, serving somewhere, meeting one of the needs and saying, I'm a servant, I'm willing to do whatever it takes, I want to grow. Or maybe you've been doing something for a while and now it's time to get a new challenge to kind of get out of that comfort zone of what's comfortable and serving in a place that maybe seems, you know, really scary, but where God could use you to do awesome things for him. Every single, you know, role or job that's in our church of serving is important to the whole body of putting it together. Maybe you need to find a new place. You need to tie yourself down so that you don't drift away. And then one more critical rope. One more critical rope. If you want to release the potential that is inside of you to turn that potential into action. This, this one is, like I said, very critical. Look at verse 15. He says to Timothy, be diligent in these matters. Give yourself wholly to them so that everyone may see your progress. Watch your life and your doctrine closely. Persevere in them because if you do, you will save both yourself and your hearers. The third rope the third, way, the third thing you need to do, tie yourself down so you don't drift back to going back to the person that you were before, is you need to add a layer of accountability. You need to have community in your life. You need to become known and you need to know some other people. Paul says to Timothy, to work out your faith, be diligent in these matters so that everyone may see your progress. So my spiritual, my spiritual uh, faith is not a private matter. I'm supposed to live that out in front of other people. I'm supposed to watch my life and my doctrine closely. And I need to have others watching too. Number three, the third rope is to be open to careful and care-filled scrutiny. You need to be willing to say, look, I want accountability. I want someone watching me and watching my life so that I won't drift away. I am going to put myself in relationships where there are men or women who know me and care about me and are godly enough to say, hey, what you're doing is wrong. You need to get away from that. Hey, I've noticed that you're slipping away. What's happening? How can I help you get back to where God wants you to be? You need to be willing to put yourself into those kinds of relationships, into those kinds of friendships, so that you won't slip away. Sometimes we'll hear a person slips out of the back door of a church and they say, no one even noticed. It it probably wasn't the church's fault. It was probably yours. Because you didn't have those relationships. You hadn't put yourself out there where you became known so that people would have noticed if you were missing. You got to take that step to, to own, take the ownership of putting yourself out there, getting into that small group, joining that accountability relationship, so that there are people that will call you and say, hey, I haven't seen you. What's going on? Hey, is this true? I heard something about, you know, from someone at work that this was happening in your life. Is that true? Are you, are you walking away from God? What's happening? How can I help you? 
You got to be you got to be willing to have those kinds of relationships. When I hear about somebody who's who's stopping to serve, and then is walking away from their small group, I always get kind of nervous. They're ready to walk away from God. They're ready to walk away from the church because they're letting go. They're untying those ropes and they're letting themselves go. I need to put these ropes in place so that I can't get away, so that I can't go back to who I was before. One of the roles that I have here at Grace is to help people become members. If you're a member at Grace, one of the pledges that you make is to, is to be willing to come under the authority, the accountability that comes from the church. You're saying, I want accountability. I want people to watch me. And that's why every once in a while, if someone walks away from God, we'll have to say, hey, we love you. We want you to come to grace, but you can't be a member if you're not going to be following Jesus. And we'll have to remove people from membership. There's accountability that comes. And we'll talk to that person and we'll say, listen, will you turn your life around? Will you turn back to God? We want you to do that. But if that doesn't happen, then, then, then you can't be a member. There's accountability that comes from membership. You... And, and I tell people when I'm meeting with them that are, that are considering membership that, that I want that in my life. Man, that if I, was, if I wasn't tied to a local church, I probably wouldn't be a very good Christian. If nobody was watching me, if nobody was holding me accountable, if I was living out my faith on my own in some island and I could literally do anything I wanted and no, there would be no, you know, no uh, repercussions, I wouldn't be a very good Christian. Man, but I want to place myself into relationships and into a community where it does matter and where people are going to care if I make bad choices, where I am accountable, where it matters how I live my life. And if you want to get to a point where you're not walking or drifting away from God without anybody noticing it, you got to tie yourself down. you got to get yourself into that accountability. you got to get yourself into that community that you need, that small group of people, that, that accountability relationship. And, and, and ladies, you got a great opportunity right now. There's something that was in the bulletin today to talk about how you can get plugged into an LTG. We have small groups all over our church that are meeting. you got to get plugged in. you got to find someone that you know who's in a small group. Say, hey, can I join your small group? If not, then contact Pastor Rich and get into one or find a way. Don't let there be a way that you're not getting into a small group if that's the next step that you need. You need that kind of community, that kind of relationships. And don't go to somebody who, who, who isn't any further along in their faith than you are. Go to someone who's going to pull you up, who's going to pull you along. You know, we all have blind spots. We, we have holes in our training. Maybe there are things that our family missed in, in training us or teaching us, or maybe there are things that some, somewhere along the way we didn't get, and there are gaps. And so we need to look for mentors, people here in our church who will pour into us you see someone who's a great dad and you want to be a great dad, go to them and say, man, will you talk me, talk to me, will you teach me how I can be a better dad? Let that man mentor you. Or you see someone who's a great wife and you say, man, I want to be a godly wife like you are. Will you talk to me? Will you teach me? Will you walk me through? Will you hold me accountable? When you see me blowing it, will you get in my face and tell me that I'm blowing it so that I can change? Pursue those mentors, those people that will help you go to the next level. It doesn't matter how, how experienced or how seasoned you are at life. You can always look for somebody who is further than you, who will pull you along, who will bring you to the next level, who will take you deeper and further than you are right now. We need that kind of accountability. Coming home from Wild at Heart, I was driving with two um, former police officers. One of them was Jim Turnbow. Jim uh, became my friend. This summer, I got to marry him and his wife, Carol. And Jim said something that, that I won't forget. He was talking about the different types of law enforcement agencies that he's been a part of and the different ones that he kind of knows about. And, and he said that um, the way that they kind of handle backup 
And the way that they handle kind of supporting each other when they're out in the field is, is different depending on the agency. And, and he said this, and this is what I'll never forget. He said, there is no feeling that is in, there's no feeling in the world that is worse than the feeling of being all alone with no backup. To getting into a situation where you have absolutely no backup and it's a sticky situation. And what I want to say is, that's true in life. Because life is a sticky situation. And if you are out there and you don't have any backup, that's a scary place to be. If you're about to fall off a cliff and no one even knows because you've not put yourself into relationships with godly people who are watching you, who are holding you accountable, who are pushing you to go further, who know you, man, you're one slip away from, from a very bad situation. There's no scary feeling in the world than to ha- be somewhere and have no backup. Become known. Get to know people. Throw this rope of accountability, this rope of community. You know, we can all think of people in our lives who are full of potential. And maybe you're standing at a point in your life right now where you are at a place of great potential. You're at a place where where you could finally go forward and break through something that's been in your life for a long time. Maybe it was the daughter series. Maybe it was Wild at Heart. Maybe it was something else. Maybe it's just the circumstances you're in right now from your life. And you could be at a place of great potential. How will you turn that into reality? How will you turn that into long-lasting change? Maybe you are stalled in your faith. How will you break away? It's a new level of accountability that you've never been at before. A new level of digging into God's Word that you've never done before. A new level of serving that you've never gone to before. You've never been willing to obey God in an area in your life before where He's told you to serve. How will you break through? Will you follow this prescribed regimen of training to turn your potential into reality? Being a person of potential is really exciting for a while. But after a while, if all that you still are is potential, it's a lot less exciting. Because having potential really just means you've never done anything. But you have all this potential. That's a great place to be, but not for very long. You don't always want to just be that person that everybody thinks of as, man, they have great potential. They've not done anything yet, but they have great potential. Eventually, you want to turn that potential into reality. I learned about potential energy this past week. Our kids were on a fall break last week, and uh, we went to this kids' museum. I take them there because I like to play with this stuff. And it's, uh, it's really fun. And if you don't have any kids that are of the age... You know, just maybe take someone else's kids. You'll have a blast, okay? And we went to this museum, and uh, we were learning about science. And I learned about potential energy versus kinetic energy. What's that? Potential energy is energy that is stored in an object. Kinetic energy is energy that is real energy. It's actually doing something. It's energy in motion. And I asked my good friend, Pastor Jeremy, to come on out here to teach us about potential versus kinetic energy. Pastor Jeremy is a bow hunter. And a bow is a great example of uh, potential and kinetic energy. Because potential energy becomes stored in an object depending on where uh, it is in its location. Right now, there is no energy in this bow. But when Jeremy pulls that bow back, now it has all kinds of potential energy in it. By itself, like this, it's lifeless. 
But when the bow is pulled back, there is now potential energy. But until Jeremy releases that, there's no real energy. There's no kinetic energy. Nothing's been put into motion. You, can, you might want to put that down for a second. Because that's going to that's gonna get hard, man. Some of you are at a great place of potential energy right now. You have the bow pulled back because of some new truth in your life, because of some breakthrough, because God has been stirring in you something new. And what I want to encourage you to do is to take these steps, these three things that you can do in your life to release that potential energy to make it real. Maybe it was the sermon that, uh, uh, that Pastor Jim preached, uh, one of the ones, the daughter's. Maybe it was wild at heart. Maybe it was just your time with God, or maybe it's been a wife or a husband that's been kind of telling you, you know what, I think God's calling us to something new or different. And you're standing here with all this great potential. The bow is drawn back. And now you have the target in sight. You see where God wants you to be and where he wants you to go. But will you release that energy so it turns into real? Will you turn it from potential into real energy? And the way that I want to close our service today, thanks, Jeremy. Good job, man. Nothing like pressure shooting in front of everybody, right? I called him up on Thursday and said, hey, man, how you feeling about your aim? The way that I want to close our service today is I want us to reflect. What's the number one way that you grow in your relationship with God? It's to open up God's word and then to reflect and let the Holy Spirit kind of teach you. And what I want you to do right now is take out your sermon notes that are in your bulletin. If you've not been writing anything down, I don't know why you wouldn't. I got some great stuff that I've been sharing. <laughs> but if you've not been writing anything down, take it out right now because I want you to write a couple things down. And I'm going to give you just a few minutes for you to reflect, for you to say, Here's some action steps that I need to take. And, and maybe some things came to mind today. Maybe it is a new small group, a new accountability. Maybe it's a new ministry. You've got to jump. You've got to start serving somewhere. Maybe it's one of these things we talked about today, finding a way to do quiet time. You know, a simple way to start reading the Bible, if you're not a Bible reader right now, read one chapter a day. Look for one verse in that one chapter and just think about it. And maybe write down some thoughts. Let the Holy Spirit just teach you. One chapter a day. Look for one verse amongst that chapter that you want to kind of reflect on that means something to you. And just get started that way and then see where God takes you. Or maybe there are things that God's, God's been working on you the last month or two months, but you've not been willing to follow through on. Write down two or three action steps right now that you're going to take today or tomorrow to start putting some potential energy into reality. Right now, it's just you and the Holy Spirit, and I'll be quiet.
Holy Spirit, we, um, we ask you to do the work that you do, Lord. We ask you to convict us, to challenge us, to comfort us, Lord, but to, to move some way in us. Lord, I don't think any of us want to just stay the same that we are right now. I don't think any of us are just content to be who we are today. And God, we all have potential. Lord, our, 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 our goal is to keep growing, to keep serving until you take us home. So God, uh, even if we've been growing and serving for 30 years, that's awesome. Maybe you want us to grow and serve for another 30 years. God, I pray that we wouldn't be a, a church of, uh, of people that are stagnant, that are stalled. God, I pray that we would always be moving forward. Lord, I pray that we wouldn't be a church that people are falling away from, that are backing away from, that are kind of slipping out the door with no one noticing because they've not gotten involved and they've not gotten plugged in and they've not tied themselves down. God, give the courage that some people need to follow through on some of the action steps, Lord. For some, it's talking to a person that they've known that they've had to talk to for a long time and they just haven't been willing to do it. God, give them the courage to, to follow through. God, help them to make a plan. Help them to follow through on it. Holy Spirit, we invite you to keep teaching us, to keep reminding us, to keep convicting us and moving in our hearts. You are in charge. Jesus, you are the head of our church. God, help us uh, to go from here, Lord, to be a light for you in everything that we do this week. In Jesus' name, amen. We sure love you guys, and uh, come back next week for the Dudes series. It's going to be great. See you next Sunday.